The scripture reading today is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God, who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Amen. Would y'all pray with me, please? Most holy God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Hi, friends. It's good to be back. I'm seeing some familiar faces, some surprisingly familiar faces. And I just feel very grateful, always, for the chance to be here with y'all. I want to start with a story. Um, about two years ago, actually this week, I got ordained. Y'all should clap because that's a... It's a situation. And for my ordination service that happened in the height of COVID, everything is on Zoom. It was all women. And when I say all women, I mean like only women. There were women who were the elders. There were women who were the musicians. We had somebody who was dancing as a part of it. The leader was a woman. All of the elders were a woman. I gathered all of the women from the classes as ministers of word and sacrament. Because I knew that as I was stepping into this new thing, stepping into this new vocation, I needed doulas, and I needed midwives, and I needed mamas to be the ones who would help me take this step. 
in this moment that was a culmination of so many things, I needed to be surrounded and affirmed by women who knew that awkward glance when you walk into a room full of men. The ones who are bold enough to be like, oh, are you lost? Or confident enough to ask if you can get them a cup of coffee? I needed the women who were familiar when you introduce yourself as a pastor. The first question is, oh, are you the pastor's wife? It happens a lot. I needed the women who knew how to time their, ser- their sermons perfectly so that they could run out of the sanctuary, nurse a baby, and then come back and do it again. I needed the women who told the truth, but who had learned over many years how to soften those blows for folks who were not ready to hear it. I needed to be surrounded by women who knew the joy of being a role model to our daughters, and also the weight of being a prophetic presence. I'm not even gonna say a voice, because sometimes when we walk into the room, that's all people need to freak all the way out. (laughs) And so I just wanna tell you what that felt like. It was spectacular. It was so beautiful and affirming and liberating to be surrounded by my sisters and my mothers and my daughters. And I needed that, knowing that the next thing that I would step into would not always be so affirming, so welcoming, so caring. And so um, I think like my ordination, what this passage shows us is that God always uses multiple expressions of womanhood and femininity to embody the good news of liberation. And we talked about this the last time that I was here. I am going to need some blinking, y'all. I'm going to need y'all. We're doing it together. <laughs> Blink and smile. If you have on a mask, smize, thumbs up, wave if you need to, okay? We're good? We're good. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate it, because this is a real thing. And so what I noticed in this passage, and maybe, I don't know if you notice it, Paul is blessed by women. Over and over, Paul and the other apostles are blessed by the women that they encounter. Did you notice that? And if I just want to be honest, without the women, Paul and his boy gang would not have been able to do what God called them to do. Without women, ministries cannot thrive. And so let's start at the beginning of the first way that Paul was blessed. They make their way into the city and they say, we're pretty sure that there's a community of people worshiping by the water. Let's go there. And let's start with the truth that Paul is no longer welcome in synagogues. People don't want to hear what Paul has to say. So he says, well, I think there's some other people who've been pushed out already. Maybe I can find them and they will give me space to speak 
My hope is that Paul listened for a little bit before he started talking to this group of women. Y'all, do y'all believe that Paul did? I do. We will offer the grace to Paul that he showed up in a space full of women and said, first let me hear you before I tell you how it's done or what it should be or what you didn't know you already knew. So we're just going to pretend like Paul listened first. And when he listened, he heard the stories of these women who could only gather far away by the river. And he learned from them what it meant to create a space when you were not welcomed in the space where everybody else got to go to. He learned what community looked like and these women who gathered and cared for each other and loved each other and preached the gospel and worshiped. I really hope that Paul brought something to eat. Maybe a bottle of wine. I hope that after the meeting, Paul said, can I please help you clean up? Y'all are laughing. We don't believe in Paul. We laugh because we know that that's not how it always works. That in spaces where women curate and hold and build, sometimes people don't come in with the right posture of wanting to be a part of that community. I'm sure that if Paul listened well, those women would have told him about the ins and the outs of the city. They would have told him who to talk to, where to eat, what places to avoid, because they knew that. If Paul would have listened to the women, he would have heard all of the ways that God was already at work before he even got there. I don't know if Paul fully grasped the blessing that he was receiving from those women. These worshiping women who had a deep knowledge and wisdom and lived experience of what it takes to survive in a world that is not committed to you. Paul had some things to learn from these worshiping women who blessed him. And then let us get to the next person who blessed Paul, Lydia. Have y'all heard of Lydia before? (laughs) We're doing this, and it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. Sometimes we don't know. Lydia is one of the very few women who is named in Scripture. It's a big deal. It's a big deal in a context um, where women were thought to be defective men. You might be like, no way. Yes, actually, that was the way that the hierarchy worked. Women were defective men. And if they wanted to get closer to God, they would have to figure out how to be a man so that they could get close to God. Anyway, we'll stop there. But let's just break it down. Lydia was a boss. Not even a girl boss. She was just a boss. She was a businesswoman. She was in charge of her household the head of household. She ticked that box on her taxes. She was also an immigrant. They say that she is a woman from a different city who has somehow come into a new city and made her space and held her own and became a leader in a worshiping community 
Um, many things say that she was the first European convert. Lydia was a boss and amazing in so many ways. And you know what she offered Paul? She blessed him with reciprocity. There are a lot of folks that hated Paul, that still don't like Paul very much. There were some people who fawned over Paul, and were just like, Paul, you're so smart. You're so amazing. Can you come and talk to our church? Can you come back? Like, that was the reality of who Paul was. But Lydia said to Paul, I want to invite you, Paul, to see me, to see me as someone who can bless you. So come to my house and let me be with you. Let me bless you with my hospitality. Let me remind you, if you had forgotten, that all of God's beloved, even the women, can contribute to this ministry. Paul wouldn't have made it very far if he didn't have a place to stay. And I hope while he was staying, he was still listening to Lydia. This commitment to reciprocity, and maybe that was a word, that was like a GRE word maybe. Reciprocity means a back and forth, right? Like I have something to offer you, I know some, that you have something to offer me, and we understand that it's going to go back and forth. And I would offer that a commitment to reciprocity challenges our savior complexes. Sorry, not our. I'll just say mine. I know that y'all are evolved beyond the savior complex. <laughs> So, a commitment to reciprocity challenges my savior complex. It forces me not just to put on, like, the ally shirt, but then not acknowledge all of the work that has already been done. When I commit to reciprocity, I know that I am not coming in to save anybody, to do anything special. And when I put on reciprocity, I can do that work of recognizing that it is a gift to be blessed by people who not too long ago I had ignored, or I had forgotten, or I had actively oppressed. Let me tell you about a time when reciprocity knocked me on my holy rear end. I was going out in Oakland, um, deep east Oakland, for a night walk to engage with women who were victims of human trafficking. No joke. And it's done with an amazing group called Love Never Fails. And I was like, what? You want to, at nighttime? What, who? My dad was calling, he's like, where are you? Turn your location on, like, we can't. <laughs> but these women, we just walked. And we saw people and we gave them little, little wristbands that had a hidden number on the inside in case they wanted to call somebody. We said hello, we asked people's names, we offered water and hand sanitizer, and still I'm like, okay, the Lord called me, I'm gonna go and do something. And we have the first encounter where we're supposed to go and walk up to a woman. And these are two young women, probably about the age of my daughter, who is in her 20s. And they are climbing out of a van. And they are climbing out of a van in outfits that were not conducive to the cold that was happening. And our little church group's like, somebody go talk to them. Who's going to go pray for them? And I think I was like, uh, I guess I go. And so I go up to the woman. I was like, hey, what's your name? I just want to let you know um, God loves you so much. 
And you know what sis said to me? She goes, oh, I know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And she goes, can I sing a song for you? Absolutely. And when I tell you this woman belts out at the top of her lungs, oh, how he loves me. He is jealous for me. And she is singing so loud, the people on the other side of the block are listening. And we are weeping and we are crying because we thought we were going to tell her something about God. And in that moment, she said, oh, you didn't realize you were coming to be blessed by me. And we didn't know. And I still get goosebumps thinking about that. She already knew. And she had something to offer to us. And I am so grateful for that moment. Are we open to reciprocity? To being blessed by people that we thought we were going to save? Let's get to the third woman girl who blesses Paul. The female slave the unnamed slave girl blesses Paul with the truth. And I'll be honest, I had to close my Bible and put it down when I got to this part. I had a visceral reaction to hearing Paul's interaction with this unnamed slave girl. I was, I was like, come on, Paul, look at you. You go into the women's gathering, and you're going to listen. You brought some food, and you cleaned up, and then you looked at Lydia, and you knew that she was the one who was going to give you access to all the places. And Paul, you're being so humble. Yes, right? Come on, Paul. He's trying. And then he meets this girl who is marginalized in so many ways. And she was speaking the truth. She wasn't lying. She wasn't harassing him. She was simply saying, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Y'all, that is good news. They should have been like, you go, sis. Let's go. Where are we going next? What would have happened then if they said, yes, no, she is the one speaking a truth that is a gift from God. And what does the text say? It says that Paul was annoyed. Like I literally have rage still. Like it's rage and it makes my stomach hurt. Paul was annoyed. This word annoyed is used earlier in the book of Acts of the Apostles. In chapter 4, it says, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees were greatly annoyed with Peter and John because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Acts chapter 4. You know when Paul gets woke? Acts chapter 9. Annoyed and silencing. And then I went and I thought about it. I was like, oh, Paul may have traveled a really long way from home and where he was, but he clearly still had some ways to go. Yeah? In Matthew 16, when Peter, maybe you know that moment where, Peter, where Jesus says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. 
And how does Jesus respond to that truth? He goes, oh, that is only from God. Sometimes the deep truths that come from God, can we honor those? Or do they annoy us? The unnamed slave girl spoke the truth, but she was too loud, and she was too poor, and she was too female, and she was just so annoying. And so Paul silenced her because he couldn't handle the truth in the way that she offered it. Some commentaries suggest that Paul liberated the unnamed female slave from a demonic possession. I don't know if any other women in the room have had a convenient narrative that someone saved you from yourself, from your hysterics when you got a little too passionate, when you got a little too loud. And someone said, let me liberate you from yourself. Y'all, that, me and Paul, we had to have another conversation about that. Because it's too easy. And we've gotten too used to dismissing, to silencing women who are too bold, who are too loud, who are too poor, who are too faithful. And trying to fit them into something that feels more palatable. Do you know what the text doesn't say? It doesn't say that Paul liberated from her from the people that owned her. Paul liberated her because he was annoyed, but he didn't do the next step of committing to her freedom of supporting her after taking away the only thing that she had that gave her some agency, that gave her some power, that helped people to actually listen to her. Did Paul really liberate her? Or did he commit to making himself more comfortable? In the name of the Lord, of course, because he was doing ministry. You, my friend, I see you. You're doing it. Appreciate it. This is one of those preaching to the choir moments when I come here, right? I am, you know, am I 100% confident? I don't do 100% anything. I am very, very confident that there's nobody in this room who says women shouldn't preach. I would imagine if you did, you would have left already. <laughs> there's nobody in this room who says that women shouldn't be leaders, right? There's nobody who's like, yeah, of course, yeah. Some of us might have a shirt that says like feminist on it. Who has a shirt? I got one. Because we believe in equality, we believe in women's rights, we are ready to like lift up women and hear their voices. We never ever silence them. We totally love women who are too loud. I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna hold on. Some of us, yes. But can we just pause for a moment, even as we may pat ourselves on the back for arriving, that we are still looking for the right type of woman. We want the Lydia's. We want the women who have it all together. We want the women who can make a significant contribution to the ministry. We want the women that when things go bad, because things do go bad for Paul, do you know where he goes before he leaves? He goes back to Lydia's house to be cared for and then sent on his way. 
Can we listen to the slave girl? Can we listen to the woman who's too loud and, who too, and too poor and too anything? And that question took me to um, a famous speech by the formerly enslaved abolitionist Sojourner Truth. And there is an entire speech where she asks over and over and over, ain't I a woman? As they were saying that women need to be lifted in the carriages, and she was like, what about me? That women should be fertile and honored. And she said, what about me and my 13 children? That women should be strong. And she was like, let's go. Let me show you that I could be strong. And yet she had to ask over and over and over, ain't I a woman? who should be protected, who should be listened to, who should be cared for, who should be honored. We need to check ourselves as we think about the women that we're ready to listen to. I love the quote that she offers at the very end of her speech. And I know this speech because I did it when I was in third grade memorized it. And what I would ever have known, that shaped me. Listening to her powerful voice coming out of my little baby girl mouth did a thing as to how I understand who I am as a woman and the power of my voice. But she ends and she says, if the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all alone because women are powerful, these women together in the room, the abolitionists, the freedom fighters, ought to be able to turn it back and get it right side up again because women are powerful. Then the next line says, and now they is asking to do it and the men better let them. as we think about who is the right woman at our tables. Are we already seeking out the women of faith who've created communities on the margins because they weren't welcome anyplace else? Um, or do we ask them to come from the margins, clean up, and then sign up to do children's ministry? No, nope. ooh, sorry, sorry. Do we acknowledge the holy wisdom of the women that clean our hotel rooms when we leave or take care of our babies? Holy wisdom that they have to offer us. Are we able to hear the truth from our family that was assigned female at birth but don't fit any certain modes of femininity? Are we listening to our trans sisters when they tell us that they are afraid? Are we screaming their names when the news would seek to forget them? Is our table big enough for them? Like Paul, we may have come a long way. If we hadn't, I wouldn't be able to stand here. We have come a long way, and we still have a long way to go. Because what God shows us in this passage and what God shows us throughout Scripture is that all women are the right type of women. I'm going to say that again. God says that all women are the right type of women. 
the very old women who people had dismissed as being barren, those are the right type of women to make way for the Lord. The little girls, the young women with no agency, that's the one that God chose to bring Jesus into this world. Uh, the hardcore warrior women who are willing to do the dirty work that other people are afraid to do, the women who are willing to lead, the women who bless the babies at the temple, the women who show up in resistance to Pharaoh and said, I will not kill these babies. Throughout scripture, God tells us over and over, every woman is the right woman to speak my words of liberation and truth. My prayer for us is that we will believe God and we will believe women. All of them. Not just the right ones. And not only will we believe them and welcome them, because we're good at welcoming, but create the spaces where they can fully belong and bless the world, bless the church with the special gifts that God has given them. Family, would you pray with me? God, you are good. You are a good mother who lays us down when we're tired. You are a mother who journeys with us when we are afraid and scared. You are the mother that sets the table and sits us down and feeds us. You are the mother who anoints our head and reminds us of who we were created to be. Would you help us to see you more clearly in the women, in our non-binary fam, and everybody who is expressing and embodying your divine femininity? Might we see them? Might we listen to them? Might we allow ourselves to be blessed and changed by them? In your power, may it be so. Amen.